filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Ladies and gents, Kitchen Quarantine, part six, episode 340 of the entire Filibuster Freestyle catalog. Jeremy Johnson joins us from the Subaru Sound Booth. Jeremy, first of all, how are you, sir? You know, it just kind of ebbs and flows, Gav. You know, we're we're day 49. As much as we have settled into a rhythm, um, we're also kind of bursting at the seams. Yes, So getting a lot done around the house and um, trying to plan for reentry to society. But meanwhile, it's just status quo. Just keep doing our thing. Yeah. Uh, What's the word out there? I saw Huntington Beach was jammed today. With people. Yeah. That's Orange County, um, which um, the white people in Orange County, besides being intolerable, <laughs> um, there's a lot of uh, lot of Republican, um, I got mine types down there. So, and they're, they're a little upset because there's, there's a lot of uh, brown people and uh, people from Asia who have uh, moved into their area and done pretty well for themselves and now actually vote. So um, they've kind of they're a nice little microcosm for what's happening across you know graphics just can't keep up with that old divisive mentality. So the governor shut down the beaches as an order, which honestly I think was um, not the best play. I think a lot of that footage was being um, you know you shoot on a long lens from far away and it condenses everybody makes them look like they're closer than they are without perspective. And um, everybody likes to talk about California nationwide on the news. And um, I think that there's a lot fewer people on that beach than there uh, was uh, shown to be. And so he had a knee-jerk reaction. And the the reaction was to shut him down, and now there's a reaction against that. Um, I think the smart thing to do is say uh, beaches are closed on the weekends, but during the week, uh, surfers can surf, and everybody just keep your distance, and we're going to have police out there reminding people to keep their distance. And then you might uh, be able to do it in a way that doesn't uh, draw a line in the sand, so to speak. Right, literally. Yeah. A literal line on the beach sand. Uh, By the way, folks, Cindy Harrington here in the studio last week slumbering. Yeah, I was... I was in a tough spot. Well, I'll tell you, 10 Eastern on a Friday night is not, you know, an easy podcast time to be awake for. Yeah, I had a, I had a rough work week, and uh, it took a toll on me. But now you're here, you're awake, you're watching the 19, sorry, the 2004 Red Sox in Game 5, second game of their epic comeback against the Yankees. It, if it's not live sports, at least you can watch glorious moments from the past. I'm still nervous. <laughs> so, there's that. And speaking of glorious moments from the past and being... Super late for the prom. Gavonzo Beans over here, your host, thefilibusterfreestyle.com, started watching Friday Night Lights, the TV show, tonight, on Noche, on the advice of the man in the West Coast, Jeremy Johnson, and, of course, Cindy, and basically every other American in the, or anybody else on the planet who has seen the series has told me, what do you mean you haven't watched Friday Night Lights? So here I go. I'm one episode in, and I'm in. Big comeback win against the chaps in the pilot. Uh. 
Texas forever. Texas forever. Dylan Panthers, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. You know, I will say that the relationship between Coach and his wife, whose characters' names I've long forgotten, is one of one of the best on-screen relationships I've ever seen. Mm. I agree with Um, you. Quintessentially, like just like human, uh, you know, behavior and love towards each other. Cool. Uh, I think that that show, a fascinating sideline to that story of that show, is that. The writer's strike happened in the middle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So as you work your way through the seasons, you're going to have um, a couple moments where you're like, wait a second. They're going to zig. But what about that guy? Like, there's a there's some moments where, like, uh. the show, the season stops, and then the new season starts, and there's no resolution for what happened. Um, it's a shame... They also, they screwed around with the time slot. This is back in, you know, when people watched Yeah, TV people cared about time slots, time. right, right. They changed networks, they changed time slots. The show never really got the footing that it needed. They had a hard time marketing it. Yep. And therefore, what could have been a really wonderful, uh, you know, television factory that you bring in new kids every, every season right. and you work kids out and you build new storylines and it's all surround. It's all about Coach and his wife. Um, you, uh, we missed out on that story development because of forces outside of network television. Right, which is crazy because, and this has been said a million times, but a show like this is Netflix gold, and obviously, I'm, it's all talks on Hulu. But you know, it's streaming service gold, and obviously, it was probably about nine years too early, uh, at least five years right. too early in terms of it being. You know, being put out there. It's also weird because the book Friday Night Lights and the movie Friday Night Lights about the actual Permian Permian Panthers in Texas, those were like blockbuster hits. So it was funny that the show didn't quite get that same bump to start. But hey, I'm in. I'm 15 years later, whatever, and I'm in. 13 years late, and I'm in. And it made, it made Peter Berg famous, and you know that's probably the worst thing that came out of that show. It's uh, making that guy a hot shot that people throw millions of dollars at. Which was Peter Berg. He's a director. Oh, okay. Got it, got it. All right, listen, let's cut to the chase. Speaking of directors, let's, let's talk about directing one's own food destiny in quarantine. It's Kitchen Quarantine. Jeremy from Man Cook Good, also clearly friend of the show. Gosh darn it. Uh, we're, going, we're going veggie today. We're going vegan because whether it happens or not, the, the hashtag meat shortage trend is starting to go on Twitter and social media. We want you all to be ready for a meat shortage. So we're going to give you some tips on what you can do that is not meat-based. And if you want to do something, you know, from last week, we did the snacks, and we go back all the way basically to day six of quarantine, friggin' six, seven weeks ago. And here we are, day 49, talking about vegan, veggie, meat shortage. So, you know, we're here for you, folks. We're here for you. JJ, let's get started. Here we go. Let's talk about that because... Uh, this week, the president uh, declared uh, meat plants yeah. essential infrastructure. A meat emergency. Um, that must remain open. Now, the reason why they were closing is because these, you know, meat processing plants are, are you know, everybody's elbow to elbow. Yes. And uh, the people that work at them are generally um, extremely low income and don't really have many choices. And they had sick, they weren't getting proper uh protective equipment either and they're in areas that aren't taking this thing seriously so 
the um, the COVID was burning through a, a bunch of these meat plants. The staff, yeah, right. Um, just decimating the employees, and some of these places had to close because they, first of all, realized like, oh wow, everyone's going to get it, and two, they they can't staff it um, appropriately when everybody's sick. So the president, in all his infinite wisdom, he finally whips out his um, his defense defense production act and uses it for meat because I think what he realizes is that um, Americans, uh, by and large, the vast majority of Americans, specifically the ones that vote for him, um, don't know how to have a satisfying meal that doesn't have meat in it. Um, or cheese, if you been, want to be honest, but that's okay. Sure, <laughs> but we but definitely been, uh, meat. We've been marketed to um, our whole life by everybody, by the, the meat lobby, the beef lobby, um, chicken, pork, you know, the other white meat, all of it. Right. Um, very effective ad campaigns to tell us that we need um, a meat. lot of meat in our diet. Meat. And really, you don't have to have meat with every meal to feel satisfied. And you, this, uh, this obsession with protein we have in our culture is uh, hilarious because <laughs> You don't need that much protein compared to what you're getting when you have meat three meals a day, plus maybe some snacks. So, correct. There are things about non-meat meals that are, um, in my opinion, kind of a pain in the rear end and um, really um, dissatisfying. So, what I'm trying to bring here is just some ideas about how you can prepare food that is not meat-based especially in case we have uh, meat shortages and really high um, prices and actually like some empty butcher um, shelves. Right. But um, where you can kind of like fool your your um, your brain into being satisfied with some really umami-rich, um, delicious, clean food where you don't walk away from it saying... 100%. I feel like I just ate a bunch of side dishes or I just ate salad. Correct. And it's really, it's pretty easy once you get the hang of it. And to your point, I mean, I just remember a nice little anecdote. Steve Smith, the receiver for the Panthers and the Baltimore Ravens, you know, really good player in his day. And someone was asking him how he stays in shape and healthy. You know, he had a pretty long career for a receiver, for a small guy especially. And he said, I'm a big salad guy, and maybe I'll have a small helping of either chicken or fish for dinner with my salad. But then the rest of the day, it's all veggies. And, you know, if it works for Steve Smith... Not saying it works for everybody, but it can probably work for you, Joe American. Yeah. You know the thing with the thing with vegetables is you require a lot of chewing, and you know you have to a lot of chopping, a lot of slicing, a lot of peeling, a lot of prep. Um, and if you really want it to be a really delicious and unique meal, a lot of work and finesse, and that's something that a lot of restaurants, when they have a vegetarian option, don't offer you is they offer you uh, pasta with veggies and like cream sauce, or they offer you a frozen veggie burger and like you know French fries or something. Right, very, um, very lazy. Yeah, and, and I've gone to some some really there, there's a lot of wonderful vegan restaurants in Los Angeles, and the ones that I've gone to that I've really enjoyed their food. Um, the thing that I notice and, and say over and over again while I'm marveling at how delicious it is is. It, it just takes a lot of finesse and prep to make food this yummy. Correct. Um, like, for instance, caramelized onions, right? Um, you 
caramelized onions are, are reducing the, um, the sugars out of onions until they brown and they become this like really um, wonderful source of umami flavor and um, like you break down the glutamate from the proteins in the onion and it, 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 the sugars come out and the juices are released from it and if you were to take some caramelized onions and put them on top of like you know, for instance, lentils and rice, sure. with just minimal salt, you would get a very savory, satisfying plate of food. And what that is, is it's a Lebanese um, classic dish. That's like, you know, I mean, a lot of people in this world have been poor a lot longer than they are. And meat is expensive. And, Correct. Uh, or it used to be, and it probably should be. And it's about to but be again. <laughs> you, have, you have a bowl with some rice. You make lentils, which you can make from dry very quickly. Um, they're loaded in protein. I was going to say, and, um, spoiler, spoiler alert, a lot of protein in this. Yeah, but caramelized onions take forever. Now, lentils and rice are yummy too, but you might walk away from it feeling like you just had your side dish. Right. But if you put caramelized onions on it or you put some browned mushrooms on it or um, you know something that has some charring or some browning, um, or some MSG in it, then you walk away feeling like you just had something that had meat in it. And it feels great. I mean, tonight made a little uh, made a little tofu. Uh, it had some teriyaki marinade, pre-packaged marinade. You could eat it raw out of the package if you want. I decided to bake it. Threw some actual, you know, kikoman soy sauce on it. Real simple, nothing else. Boom, done. Six minutes, and again. You want to get delicate with it and get the umami going, you can, but there's a definitely a kind of a, uh, an, I can give you the good starter kits too as we go here tonight, everybody. So like JJ's going to hit you with some good stuff and I'll give you the really dumbed down version because everybody knows I don't cook like man cook good, you know? <laughs> so there's the, the whole you spectrum. You eat every day. Correct. Correct. And you were, veg- you were vegan, like 90% vegan for years. Yeah, yeah, I did a full... Which means that you had to find workarounds as though, you know, you had a personal meat shortage. Correct. And you did it in a way that's not, like, aspiring to be this, like, artistic uh, home cook. You're just trying to feed yourself in a way that is convenient and economical and also um, was a way that supported your your lifestyle and your your goals, you know? Correct, and and it wasn't even, and again, for people who do want to have a vegan lifestyle to save animals. That's great and noble. I did not do it for those reasons. Hats off to folks who do. But like, you know, I could have, I could have decided to eat meat at any second and not felt bad about it at all. But I got into a rhythm as well. And you get into a rhythm and you feel good about it. And you're like, oh, I'm six pounds lighter and I'm still drinking every night. And this was back when I was in my thirties. Couldn't do that now. Um, You know, or I, oh, I can get away with French fries. Like maybe they're fried in like a buttery fat, but like I'm not eating a hamburger. I'm eating you know, a French fry with a salad. And is that a good meal every night of the week? No. But is that a good cheat meal? Yes. And little things like that, you know, and it's just like, next thing you know, it's been a month. And then you're like, maybe I can do another month. And again, if there's a meat shortage or you've lost your job or anywhere in between, you can make, you can definitely get used to it and you can definitely get your protein. And honestly, you can definitely have a little bit of fun with it. I mean, Indian food, very, you know, a lot of basis in meats, lentils, rices, curries, don't need a meat in sight, you know, to have a good time there. So many examples. Right. Indian food is probably the, the the premium vegan and vegetarian cuisine yes. there is. 
I would say that Middle Eastern food, um, specifically Israeli or um, Lebanese food, is um, also really well suited towards um, being meat free. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and like Vietnam, most things in Vietnam are are gluten free and uh, dairy free, and often can um, be made without meat as well. Yeah. Uh, those flavors really play well into each other. And if you're if you're trying to cut meat because it's expensive and because it's becoming difficult to find not for moral reasons, then there's there's ingredients like fish sauce and things of that nature that really crank up the um, yes the, the meatiness uh, without actually having to go and buy, you know, a fish. Although fish meat a meat shortage would impact fish prices because of the great law of supply and demand. Yes. But um, there's not a shortage of fish um, in the markets right now. A um, couple things I'm going to throw out there for um, just general concepts. Yeah. Um, roasting almost any vegetable at 400 degrees, splashing olive oil and salt. Yep. Um, is going to get you some browning, which is going to give you that um, that uh, mallard reaction, which um, gives you a lot of umami flavoring. Um, any caramelizing, which means cooking really slow until the sugars and proteins start to break down. Um Grilling, getting things brown, um, any browning. Browning is flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are all things that you like. If you, you make your standard um, grain or starch and vegetable, and then you pick one ingredient to really get some big char on it, um, you can make your cauliflower or your broccoli yes. the center of your meal and um, focus all your efforts into getting a bunch of flavor on that. Uh, like I, I like, for instance, uh, I'll do this with the broccoli and asparagus, which are both totally in season right now, which means they're cheap mm-hmm. and delicious. Um, <laughs> you roast asparagus or broccoli in um, some oil and salt, and then at the end, you toss it in a little bit of um, soy sauce, um, and that becomes your your primary um, savory flavor. And then you have your other items on your plate, which you can intentionally kind of make a little, um, little more neutral uh, because you're getting so much flavor out of your, your focus. Um, things like miso, which is a soybean product, a fermented soybean curd, basically. Um, miso is a great way to get some salty umami flavor on it. Uh, mushrooms are fantastic for it. Mushroom powder is Mushroom powder. I haven't tried that actually. Uh, MSG, which gets a really bad rap in this country because of some really sordid racist um, actions way back when with Chinese restaurants and unions and government and local officials. So it's kind of a fascinating podcast in its own right. But MSG is a great way to add a little bit of savoriness to it. Uh, You can get MSG in uh, chicken bouillon or veggie bouillon or um, beef bouillon. Yes. Um, Soy sauce has a ton of it. Uh, Another thing that makes things taste meaty is the flavor of smoke. So, Mm -hmm. like, smoked salt is really good. Smoked paprika is really good. Those are great ways to get flavor out of it. Um, Using herbs and spices that we most associate with, like, celebration meals. So, like, uh, sage and rosemary and thyme. Rosemary and and thyme, baby. Um, those, those spices, like if you make 
I make a dish um, in the fall usually where I stuff a pumpkin with wild rice and lentils. Nice. And I, co- I cover it and layer Parmesan cheese within it. And Parmesan is another great source of these like amino acids that create umami. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put in fennel seed, which is in Italian sausage. I put in sage. I put in thyme. I put in rosemary. Those are all very savory, satisfying flavors that we associate with nostalgia yeah. and very filling meals. Um, that's in with wild rice and lentils and then in a vessel of pumpkin. When you eat that, you would swear there's crumbled sausage in there, partly because of the texture, partly because the herbs and spices that I'm using are also found in some traditional sausages. Yes. So it's another way to get a real bang for your buck out of a vegetarian meal is to season it as though it's a meat product. You just forgot the meat. Yes, it's a meatless it's a meatless meat product. And actually that's a really good segue. Uh, the one thing I know I can contribute to the to this pod tonight is a couple of like brand name, easy to find, I'm gonna vouch for it till the day I die, fake meats, okay? So believe it or not, a brand called Tofurky, which is obviously a well known brand, but Tofurky actually does a great job with plant based deli slices and plant based organics or sorry original sausage so to jeremy's point it's a spice thing and it's a texture thing and some fake meat the texture is just wildly not close and so therefore you automatically you're like nope but if you can get a deli slice that feels and looks and tastes like a deli slice you've already done more than half the work to trick your brain into thinking that you're having meat so for instance if i go tofurkey honey hickory smoked excuse me slices on a, a, a piece of sourdough bread toasted with some real cheese or some, um, what's that spice I like to use? Oregano. You know, holy cow, it tastes like it's a gosh darn turkey sandwich. It's not turkey. Um, with the sausage, same deal. The Italian sausage from, from Tofurky brand. You put that with some Brussels sprouts. You put the right spices on it. Jeremy just talked about all those spices. Maybe throw a little hot sauce on it or maybe a miso or sorry, um, a gingerish type dressing, get it going a little Asian style, you think you're eating sausage. It's all about the texture. And, and, and again, you can trick any meat lover. And it's not Impossible Burger at you know Burger King with the Whopper and all that, but it's pretty damn close and it's really affordable and it's in any grocer's freezer at, at this point. It's good stuff. Yeah, and I do think um, there's a lot of value to that because one of the the beauties of meat is it's very quick. It's a quick way to get a lot of calories in you and, um, delicious calories too. Uh, a lot of times I won't order vegetarian in a restaurant because I know it's going to suck. I'll get the chicken or the beef or the pork or the goat or whatever, because I know that they're going to do it well because that's what they do. Right. Um, and it's not some afterthought dish, but when you're at home, you, you want to just be able to go to the grocery store sometimes and not have to make everything from scratch. And to be able to get something that's spiced like meat and you can build your plate around, mm-hmm. then you're in your comfort zone if you're somebody that normally eats meat for yes. every meal or most meals. Um, you know, my, my mother, she's mostly vegetarian at this point in her life. She's never really been a big meat eater. Um, and she, but she cooked all the meals for us growing up. <clears throat> uh, my wife was vegan for uh, a couple of years and vegetarian for like five years. So, as, as disappointed as I was when she told me that she was going <laughs> to go 
this route. It really expanded my brain in the in the kitchen and my skill sets on how to make these foods great. And I never really embraced the fake meats. I always felt like if we're going to eat uh, vegetarian, part of the reason for doing that is to be kind of more natural and um, more, you know, basic with our food choices. But um, I, I will say that I have had some of these products that you're talking about, and they, they are delicious and they're not offensive. Some of them, not the ones you mentioned in particular, but they're they were really off putting, and yes. you can't let those ones you can't let those ones dictate how you feel about all alternative meat products. Exactly, and that's that's the point. Is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to vouch for a couple of things that I know are going to be consistently decent. If you don't, if you're not comfortable in that realm, that's where I would wade in if I were you. You know, and uh, and from there, yeah, you can go in a million directions. Another thing I do want to plug, not even because it, I mean, clearly it's an unofficial sponsor of anything, but Dr. Prager's California Veggie Burgers. Um, they're really good. They're usually at Trader Joe's, a lot of places, but I will say that, you know, that's the ones that you like, Cindy. Yeah. Cindy's not really a big veggie burger person, and, and she doesn't like most veggie burgers, or at least didn't, didn't like most of them, but you like these ones. Yeah, I've come around to veggie burgers. But it's kind of through the gateway drug of fake meats. Sure. Tofurky style. Yeah. But Dr. Prager's California Veggie Burgers, in honor of Jeremy and all the folks in Huntington Beach, uh, really decent gateway drug, if you will, for a meatless patty. Now, we have to assume that those are all going to be gone. If we've learned anything from this, if one day the grocery store doesn't have ground meat, everyone's immediately going to run for those patties. Correct. And everyone's going to buy all the tofu, and they're not going to know what to do with it, and they're going to say tofu sucks, and they're going to buy all. I mean, the impossible meat and the beyond meat is, uh, and that's probably already gone. Yeah. Um, because that's your there's what's become your gateway. Well, that's the new correct. vegetarian eating. Correct. Um, but you know, and you know, so you're like, well, how do I eat this week? And I, you know, I was able to find, you know, very little meat to eat. Okay. Let's talk about protein, um, which is a segue to something that's kind of in the news right now for being an awful person. But Ellen has a great bit in her stand up uh, bit on her stand up routine on Netflix where she says, I don't know why everyone's so obsessed with where I get my protein from. She's like, where do you get your riboflavin from? You know, <laughs> um, our culture is so obsessed with protein, muscle milk, and hamburgers and all of the above, but it is one of the things that builds muscles and helps our brains function. So let's talk about ways that you can get it. Um, lentils, great. Said it. Chickpeas, uh, also hummus, uh, which if you're not making your own hummus, you should get some tahini and you should make your own hummus. If you're stuck, especially if you're stuck at home, laid off, start making your own hummus. It'll bring the cost down from like six bucks to a buck. Mm. And it's like way better than anything you're ever going to get in a store. Um, basically any bean at all has got a fair amount of protein, but also fiber, tons of vitamins and minerals in it. Um, nutritional yeast, which is something that people use as kind of like a fake, uh, cheese flavor. That's something you could sprinkle on anything. You'll get a big umami pop and it's got a fair amount of protein in it. Um, green peas have quite a bit of protein in it for a vegetable. Uh, quinoa, the alternative grain, yes. and wild rice uh, both have a fair amount of um, a fair amount of protein in it. Now, quinoa is kind of like a funny thing to make. It can be terrible. Uh, yes. It can be good. Uh, yeah, I would suggest 
you know, making it with like some water that's got a little bit of bullion in it or beyond vegetable bullion or something. Yeah, get or it a little, get it a little salty. Right, because uh, it can, it, it's not, it's not a guaranteed uh, flavor profile like you expect out of a consistent product like rice or whatever. Yeah, um, he was a real wild card. Sweet corn, fair amount of um, of protein. Any sprouted grain, those Ezekiel breads, uh, you get a fair amount of it in there. Oatmeal, oats, a uh, surprising amount of protein. And uh, any nut butter, whether it's, yeah. uh, you know, almond butter, peanut butter, uh, sunflower seed butter, they'll have a lot. This is a big, of, uh, uh, we're a big nut butter protein. house. We're a big nut butter house over here lately. Almond butter, yeah, right? I mean, We've got like six kinds of nut butters, and it just it, it kind of makes me a little crazy, especially when one of them runs out and we have to replace it. But by I the, support it. By the but way, there's like, geez, does it all have to be artisanal? No, not at all. By well, the way, in my house, sometimes <laughs> it feels like it does. But yeah, that's fair. There's, I'll sleep on the couch, honey. There's somebody somewhere listening to this podcast, and they're they're banging their head against the wall that we didn't say nut butter was the fake band name of the week. So to that person, you're welcome. Okay. Nut butter. <laughs> um, That's another awesome. great uh, like vegetables a lot of protein in season right now broccoli spinach freezes really well also available readily everywhere asparagus yep. totally in season right now fair amount of protein in it artichokes artichokes kid kid are you talking about artichokes right now vegetable, kid? kind of a high maintenance vegetable but if you get comfortable working with a little bit Really rewarding. Lots of different ways to eat it. Yummy. Potatoes have some protein in it. Sweet potatoes have even more. Brussels sprouts, Gavin's favorite. Bang. Tons of protein in it. Yeah, it's got, it's got like four to five grams of protein per cup, okay? Like, that, that's a substantial amount of protein out of a vegetable. And also, for, for the Brussels sprouts folks out there, listen, if your grandmother, you know, if your grandmother made it, or your parents hate it because the way their mother or father made it, probably their mother made it, it's because they used to boil them. Don't boil Brussels right. sprouts. Terrible decision. Put them on a pan. Char them. Get them a little blackened. Everything Jeremy has been saying for the last whatever minutes, like, that will work. Throw some soy sauce on there, whatever you want. Brussels sprouts Don't are Don't crowd the pan. Don't crowd the pan. Right. Do it in batches. Exactly. You do not or want roast it on a sheet pan. You don't want a big pile of stuff. It starts to steam in its own right. water content. It goes back to and your, then it becomes yeah. mushy. It goes back to your whole nacho point last week, right? Where you can't not layer the nachos with cheese as you go up. Don't put the cheese on top only. That is stupid. Just as stupid. Don't stack your Brussels sprouts. Don't be like Applebee's. Okay. <laughs> be like Cactus Pete's for you Worcester. Do it right. Yeah. Um, get some asparagus, so, get some cactus peach saddlebag combos, call me when the quarantine's over. That's what I gotta say. <laughs> Let me tell you something that I make that's uh that's vegetarian that I just made recently. Alright. It's really wonderful. And it's a mushroom carbonara. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Now mushroom carbonara is um you know, it's a take off of a dish that has bacon or cured pork in it. Correct. Um, and there's egg in a traditional carbonara. So if you're going vegan, you're going to have to look for egg substitutes or just skip it and put your nutritional yeast in it. Yeah, or just go vegetarian. Um, you know? 
But you get you get a couple of those um, containers of your standard uh, mushrooms that are available to you, cremini or button mushrooms. Um, you you quarter them, cut them into quarters, take the stems off. If you want to be extra extra, freeze your stems and use it later for a broth. Um, a bunch of garlic, like five or six cloves of it. Either a couple shallots or like an onion that's diced up real fine. And um, a bunch of Parmesan cheese or if you're uh, non-dairy, then get your nutritional yeast out. And then you got your pasta, which um, I like carbonara with like uh, with a spaghetti or a bucatini. Um, but uh, like the Bon Appetit version done by, um, I think it was uh, Carla Lally. Molly Baz, Baz did it. Um, she used Orchietti, which is a great dish for it because all those little cups uh, collect all this like sauce. But basically, you make your pasta. You, well, you bring your water to a boil. You take the stems off your mushrooms. You quarter them or half them if they're small. Yeah. You you reduce some onions or shallots in some butter or oil. You add in your um, your mushrooms and you let them sit for a while. The mushrooms have a lot of moisture in them. And if you want to brown the mushrooms, then you got to get that moisture out. So a funny thing happens when you're making mushrooms on a stovetop, especially. After a while, you're like, I'm trying to get the mushroom to release its liquid. I don't want liquid. And you look at it, and it's sitting in a puddle of its own liquid. But it's water, so it's going to boil off, and it's going to steam off. Mm. Another way, another counterintuitive thing is you pour water into your mushrooms on the skillet, and that cooks the mushroom all the way through. The water evaporates. And then your mushroom is ready to be browned without browning so much that it burns. Okay. So you, you brown your mushrooms with your shallots and your or your onion in there. Um, you put your garlic in at the very end. You don't want to burn your garlic. A lot of people put it in with the onions, and garlic burns a lot faster than onions. It doesn't have the moisture content to keep it from browning. And brown brown garlic, unless you're doing it for like a Filipino dish or something, is kind of like an off-putting bitter flavor. You don't want that. Got it. Um, Mushroom's going to take like 15 minutes. Uh, don't move them too much, especially at the beginning. Just let them do their work. Um, cook your uh, cook your pasta according to the directions. Take it out a, a minute or two before. If it says like 10 to 13 minutes, take it out at 9 minutes. Make sure you take a couple cups of that starchy pasta water out before you dump the whole thing into a colander in the sink. I've done it like a hundred times. Pasta water is a magical, magical liquid with all the starch from the pasta. You need it to really make your sauce come through on this. Um, finish your mushrooms. Stir it now a bunch until you've got even browning all around it. <clears throat> you take your pasta out. You throw it in with your mushrooms. You pour in a little bit of your um, pasta water. You got it on like a low heat and you cook it around. And then you, you you scramble up some eggs, three, four eggs. If you've got a pound of pasta going, which should, when I grew up, I thought a pound of pasta was four servings because I had <laughs> my brother, my dad, and my mom and I, and we would polish off a pound of pasta. But I've realized as I've gotten older, that's a little much. <laughs> and um, not every recipe should be based on a pound of pasta. But um, you're going to get like eight servings out of it uh, unless you just want to. Just going to carb uh, coma. Did it last night. Um, it felt pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So every once in a while. Every once in a while. You want your um, you want to temper your eggs a little bit so that they don't like 
just immediately seize up and become custard. So you move it off the heat for a few minutes and just let it cool a little bit. And then you just pour in your scrambled eggs just a little bit at a time while you're stirring so that it, 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 it becomes a sauce with the residual liquid. And if it seems like it's getting a little thick, pour in some more of that reserved pasta water, add a little bit more salt. And you keep doing this until all your eggs are in there. And then you put in a bunch of Parmesan cheese and you stir the whole thing up. You toss a bunch of fresh herbs on it, or you don't. And you put a little bit more Parmesan on it, a bunch of cracked black pepper. And you've got this really satisfying, simple, under 30 minutes, two-pot meal. And it's it's mushroom-based. And I'll tell you, you're not sitting there missing anything. It's got yeah. so much meaty flavor and meaty texture that you walk away from it feeling as though you've had a full meal and not a collection of side dishes. Um, that is, if you just search mushroom carbonara, it'll come up on the first, nice. the first uh, selection on Google. It's, it's a Bon Appetit, like classic. This woman, Molly developed the recipe and it's become like wildfire. It's like everyone on Instagram seems to be making it right now. I made it recently. It blew my mind. Well, if it's working, it's working, right? Another nice combo is like uh, yams and black beans. Make tacos with yams and black oh, okay. beans. Okay, that's not bad. Texturally, that'd be fun. Uh, you know, you make them separate. You roast your yams. You make your black beans on the stovetop. Uh, maybe you make yourself a little fresh salsa with some onions, some tomato, and some pepper. Uh, maybe you don't. Maybe you throw a little bit of something sweet in there. Maybe you just smash up some avocado with a little bit of salt and lime juice, and you call it guacamole. Oh, yeah, why not? And you eat three or great. four of those, and you walk away from a film really satisfied. And you don't miss a thing. The key, the key to getting the browning is to give things room and to do it in batches. Get really big sheet pans, or just spread it out. I can't say it enough times. Spread things out, give them room, let them release their liquid without polluting their friends with their steam we don't want steamy food we want charred browned food browning is flavor boom that's right jj that's right before we go and again if you've got any more dishes you want to give give us please do i've got a topic that you can either take or leave but we've never done this topic it's been in the news for the last week and you're the right guy for it. But let me know when you're ready because I don't want to jump the gun on it. I'm ready. I've, you know, I could keep going about food forever, but then your audience's eyes will roll back in their head and then you'll lose half your audience. Well, so. plus we're going to be back here next week for part seven because we're going to still be in quarantine. Oh, my God. I mean, every day. Set your watch by it, folks. Uh, all right, here we go. So we've, never, we've got a lot of interesting countries that have listened to this show over the years. Um, when you are a guest, we especially get countries that are very interesting because we're pretty sure that their equivalent clandestine services are picking us up based on key phrasing, right? Right. So this week there was a, a rumor of a disappearance of the dictator, the ruler of the hermit kingdom, North Korea. We've never had a listen from Pyongyang, we've never had a North Korea-based listen to the show. With Kim Jong-un resurfacing today after 20 days in absentia, 
are you willing to maybe go down and go down a two minute rabbit hole with me where we say the words North Korea a couple times and see if we can't get ourselves elicited in North Korea or do you wait a second he 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 showed up today in the New York Times as of probably about two hours ago he showed up for a ribbon cutting a ribbon cutting ceremony somewhere like nothing happened <laughs> I thought that the you know the guys from spies like us performed his heart surgery. <laughs> and uh, doctor, <laughs> doctor, doctor, yeah. The irony would have been you spend your entire uh, professional career making people fear you, and then you need a routine surgery, and um, the Pers- guy kills you. Person's so, so scared. scared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to do his job. Um, but uh, what a shame. I was, you know, I, it's almost like he wanted to see like who was happy that he was dead so he could chop off some heads. Um. Yeah, let's get North Korea on here. We've never gotten a listen from North Korea. You know what you have, though, Gav, because what they do is they pass um, USB sticks across the border through a black market of all the it's like essential ah. media and listening. And so it's not being listened to through the interwebs as much as it's being listened to. Uh, you're, you've probably got your own booth at some black market uh, street fair. Mm. And, you know, they've got, like, the North Korean Gavo impersonator there with his graying ginger hair <laughs> and humming journey tunes. Yeah. And, you know... Where's my heart? <laughs> and, and coming up with fake band names in Korean. Um, also vegan, but not by choice, just because there's no there's meat. There's no meat, yeah, yeah. And, um... Hopefully I just gave Meanwhile... Kim Jong Un's sister is pissed right now because she was about to slide right into the DMs and become like the new supreme ruler of North Korea, which would I think been great. Even though I heard she's like a really awful person, and by heard I mean I read like three paragraphs in a news article. But I was looking forward to that. It was a great like B plot to this whole coronavirus uh, world shutdown. Uh, fake armed uprisings. Yeah, is, um, I mean, you're right. And, and the big, the craziest thing is, Kim Kim Jong Un's disappearance was like the third biggest story of the week. Because oh, by the way, the Pentagon admitted that aliens are real, and everybody was like, "Eh, we're good." <laughs> Back to coronavirus. Well, like it's like I've never, I didn't see anything on those images or videos that changed anything. No, I agree. Like. It was just it was just really a kind of odd timing, but Kim Jong Un like yeah like first of all talk about Mister Irrelevant the guy's only relevant because we make him relevant. Um, he does some saber rattling here and there, and uh, we basically apply pressure to him through our proxies in China and Russia, who are like, dude, if you go too far, like we'll end you and we'll starve your entire country. But basically we don't want to deal with you. So we're sending you this many bushels of grain a week, you know, um, he's a non-factor globally. And, um, we keep making him into this boogeyman sending Dennis Robin over there and our goddamn president going over for a bleeping photo op. But other than that, the guy's not really a big part of our world because they don't have a single person listening to filibuster freestyle on the Spotify or on the SoundCloud or on the Deezer. I mean, those people are going old school with like probably like zip drives and uh, what are those things called? Those zip disks? 
Yeah, wow, yes, wow. Can't even remember. Yes. They're passing zip disks around to get their filibuster. It's not a relevant country right now, especially when we're all kind of trapped in our houses trying not to get sneezed on. True. True. But, yeah, let's bring it. North Korea, this would be a great uh, control test yes. on our um, our theory that I bring a lot of attention from the Russians because I busted them on their um, their whole plot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Iran, by the way, I, I, I keep bringing it up, folks. Episode 299 of the Filibuster Freestyle. Check it out. Check it out. That's all I'm saying. I mean, we could get weird. We go down conspiracy corners, and the funny thing with conspiracies is nobody wants to talk about the ones that are actually happening. They like the real complicated ones that make for good, like, uh, unsolved mysteries and Twilight sure. Zone. But, you know, what if I told you that there's a bunch of really wealthy people that want to keep getting more and more wealthy at obscene rates, and they know that the only way they can get us to vote for that those policies is by dividing us all and making us all hate each other. Like, is that that outlandish? Right, right, but right. That's exactly what's happening, you know? Like, it, it, I mean, if anything, it just pushes me farther and farther away from the political parties and people that espouse those virtues because I'm tired of hating people that I'd otherwise like. Yeah, right. I mean, there are people who I agree with on certain things that I don't like, and there are people who I don't uh, agree with at all who I do like. But, like... Life is not an episode of First Take. We don't have to sit down and argue about everything all the time. Max Caliburn's not walking through that door, you know? Thank God. (laughs) I got people calling me names on the internet every day, and I'll be like, dude, if you got the COVID, I'd be dropping soup on your front door. I'd be picking your kids up from school. I'd be trying to figure out a way for you to get through this in a way that doesn't infect your family. Okay, like we are friends. We don't have seven zeros next to our net worth. It's actually probably in the red. We're just trying to do the best we can to raise our family and to live our lives. And we're sitting here arguing about crap that some dingleberries (laughs) came up with as a way to get us to hate each other. Right. So that we can't one day unify. Like, for instance, today is May Day, Gavin. You know what May Day stands for? The day when, like, 140 years ago, America had a general strike. And they started the general strike, and they fought for an eight-hour workday so you could sleep for eight hours, and you could do whatever the bleep you want for eight hours, okay? It was 140 years ago. It, it, it helped destroy child labor or helped move its way out. We, we fought for these things. Yeah. And it wasn't 140 years, it was 100 years ago, roughly, but... we. We fought for these things, and they've been eroded from the moment we got them. And what they figured out is if we all stick together on something, then we can, we can win. They can't, they can't gouge us all. That's why they destroy unions. It's why they weaken unions. It's why they destroy any inspirational figure that pops up. That's why anybody with any intellectual credibility gets attacked and shaved by conspiracy theories left and right. And everybody wants to think they know better than everyone else. And the bottom line is, if we just kind of stick on the same page, we can have a higher quality of life, and we can stop arguing about stupid crap all the time. Yeah. 
It's totally true. It's so easy to, to fix, but it's so much more fun to just get mad at your neighbor because of his bumper sticker or whatever. Like we're being divided up in the most unifying experience of our lives. We're all globally stuck. We're all being affected in a very serious way by a disease. And the, the powers that be were like, oh, damn, we better start carving these people up. So they, you know, they got the Second Amendment guys who already have an infrastructure up to set up a bunch of websites and Facebook groups and buy Facebook ads and start doing these reopen protests. Look at all these like average Americans giving the same sound bites and quotes from various protests all around the country. Look at all this like this camera work where you're making a hundred people look like ten thousand people. Like look at the fact that there's a bunch of people with really witty signs who are also wearing masks. And then there's these like people that look like they just stepped out of a meth park who are rolling around with no masks, crappy signs. Where do you think the professional signs came and why do you think the people that are wearing them have masks on, okay? Right. Like, you people have been prepping for a zombie apocalypse your whole life. Just stay home and eat some canned corn (laughs) and just chill for a minute while we figure this thing out. And maybe we can all go back to work with some masks and gloves and we can give our nurses and our doctors and our techs a chance to live so they're not meat for the grinder. Yeah. I don't care if you want to go surfing, okay? Yeah, you go surfing if we can have some common sense, which you're not displaying a very <laughs> high reservoir of, but being out in a crowd. 100%. Okay? Like, my God, man. They're, they're calling these like nurses heroes and doctors heroes. Like That makes it sound like they're casualties of war. Right. They're being failed by the system that they have sworn an oath to. True. Stay out of the streets. Yeah, man. Totally. I'm sorry, it's not vegetarian. Eat your lentils. <laughs> well, I was going to say, sweet corn, you got it in there. That's right there. <laughs> Eat your lentils, man. I mean, like, Guys, protein comes from lentils. God. If you learn nothing else tonight, protein comes from lentils. And honestly, you become a homosexual if you eat a vegetarian dinner once or twice a week, okay? You may actually help save the planet. Never mind your own heart. Tell you what, vegetables are very good for the human heart. And Kim Jong-un, I wish you were dead. And I'll tell you what, folks, if that doesn't get us a listen in North Korea, nothing will. (laughs) JJ, what a way to end it. Filibuster freestyle. Quarantine, baby. Kitchen quarantine number six. Stick around for a minute. JJ, we'll catch up. Everybody else, follow Jeremy on Instagram. At Man Cook Good, doing great work, great recipes, great instruction. And as he said last week, and I'll say for him this week, if you have questions about anything he's doing, he is happy to slide into the DMs or vice versa and tell you what's up and how he does it. Right, Jeremy? I, I love it. I've gotten messages this week from over a dozen people asking me what to do with ingredients that they have or what to do with all this extra bacon fat or like, like real like, what do I do? Because now all I do is cook my own food, and I'm not super comfortable doing that. Questions. And I am, A, happy to answer them. B, so thrilled when people are cooking their own food. It's not a competition. I want us to cook well and eat well, and it's a life skill. Like, I'll teach you how to tie a knot. I'll teach you how to roast a steak, okay? like Let's go. Let's do it together. Let's go. I love it. Kitchen quarantine. Number seven's coming next week. This was number six. Jeremy, thanks for being on. Thank you. Cindy, take us out. Bye.